da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. So it's going to be all King Kong all the time tonight, guys. Uh, normally, this first little portion of the show would occupy movie news, rumors, rumblings. But I want to welcome everyone into the Mad About Movies podcast for this week. This is our kind of official episode of the week, our weekly episode. But we hope everyone has enjoyed our Mad About Movies March Madness Madness, which just kicked off. Madness, and, madness. Uh, we will be tweeting out the link to that once it's up and the bracket is available for you to vote on your favorite basketball movie as March Madness is here. And later on in the week, we have another episode coming at you in which we'll be talking about one of Richard's top 10 movies of all time, Wayne's World. We had a extended World. conversation. What a week. Gosh. Woo. So three. You get paid extra for yeah, this week. Three Mad About Movies podcasts coming to you this week. Maybe the first time we've ever done three in a five to seven day period, but uh, it's going to be four. Do in these a seven guys know how period. to party or what? Right. Jeez, that's crazy. So, uh, having said that, this will be a more abbreviated episode. We won't really talk movie news uh, in this. Not a lot going on, to be honest. So, not that has to uh, be talked about this week. But uh, before we talk King Kong. We do have some shout-outs to give and some thank-yous to uh, say to the listener, because they've mm-hmm. been super supportive over the past few weeks. We had a little pledge drive a few weeks ago on, I can't even remember what episode, I think it was called State of the Union. It was a bonus episode or something mm-hmm. like that, and we yeah. just talked about the show and where we kind of currently are with the production of the show and uh, you know how long it's going to last, and we get questions like that all the time about how the show uh, is kind of doing behind the scenes and everything. And so that's, that's what we talked about then. But in that episode, we had a little pledge drive and we had a few tiers for people to donate. And those people have donated and been very generous. And we promised as part of that donation, shout out on the show. So Brian Gill, shout us yeah. out. So here's some names of loyal listeners that we love and appreciate and cherish. William Wadia, Brian Anderson, Kyle McNevin, Missy Stinson, Abraham Gopfert, Shannon Duffy, and Adam Leach have all donated in the last couple weeks, and seriously, we appreciate it so much. If you're interested in doing that and getting a shout-out, or if you're interested in donating enough to be able to come on the show, you can find the donate button on our website, Mad About Movies Podcast, and uh, and send us, seriously, whatever uh, you feel appropriate, whatever you can do, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, always makes a huge difference to us. And a couple more quick shout-outs, too. Uh, to everybody who played the Oscar pool. I know that wasn't the most smooth uh, process that we've ever encountered. I, I think next year we're going to do it a little bit differently and just build our own website or something uh, just to make it simpler. We had a ton of you that, that joined up and, and a bunch more that tried to join up and, and we just had some uh, technical issues on, on the Gold Derby side. But James Ahern won the... the uh, the pool, he got the most points and the most uh, predictions correct, so he's received the prize package. Melissa Medina won our March Logan contest for uh, ranking the X-Men movies and, and shouting us out. And, uh, and then we've had a ton of people buying t-shirts as well. Check, if you want the special limited edition Back to the Future Mad About Movies t-shirt, you need to go to our website, check that out, and you can order one there, and uh, we'll get that out to you shortly. But we've had... Tons of people that have bought that in the last week, and we super appreciate 
that as well. So that's what I've got. Uh, if you guys have anything else, great. But we are so appreciative of everybody who's been uh, donating and, and uh, spreading the word with T-shirts and contests and all that sort of stuff. We'll be doing more and more of that stuff as the year goes by. So keep uh, keep an eye out for all that good stuff. Yeah. And a couple other ways to support the show. Take advantage of the uh, deals that we get people during our advertisements. Uh, mm-hmm. These are legit companies that we work with that have exclusive deals for our listeners. They tailor make them for our listeners. So most of the time, these aren't just generic ads. They they know what our listeners want, and they, they really do hook our, our show up with better deals than I've heard on any other podcast. So, uh, for example, Blue Apron, who's been with us since the beginning, is an incredible service. Please sign up for that and uh, take advantage of that. And that's a way to support the show. If you sign up for that, that's basically like donating. If you sign up for Blue Apron using our promo code, that's as good as donating. So do that, and uh, we really would appreciate that. And you'll love it. You'll love the product you get in return or whatever service we're offering you uh, by the week. We do change those up every week, and we have different ads on different episodes. So uh, those are always changing. We try not to make those too monotonous and uh, and uh, boring for you. But speaking of that, we do need to take a commercial break here and get that out of the way before we talk Kong Skull Island and all that that entails. So, listen to this ad, take advantage of the opportunity and promo, and uh, we'll see you in about one minute to talk Kong. Thanks. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. So... The last King Kong movie that we have gotten came out officially 
in 2005. Am I right? Yeah, yep. the Peter Jackson one. Right. And it's another experience where I remember where I was when I saw it. I know what theater I was when I saw it. I was in when I saw it, and I remember who I was with when I saw it. Uh, kind of a memorable ex- experience, a big, 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 huge movie. Not necessarily financially, but just the scale of the movie. I just remember being blown away by that, and the co- the whole uh, undertaking. I knew Peter Jackson from Lord of the Rings, obviously, but uh, I thought King Kong was just something huge to tackle. It's such an iconic movie, the original, and for anyone to try and one-up that is is uh, impressive, and, and that deserves kind of some some recognition. So I remember that, but I never really thought I would need a another King Kong reboot-type movie in the next 10, 12 years, which is what we got here with Kong Skull Island. And this is the part, this is part of an entirely new cinematic universe believe it or not, of monsters that we're going to be getting over the, the next couple of It's the of Air Bud one that we talked about last week, right? Right. <laughs> the Air Bud. Little, little Kongies. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that. Little Kongies to drop on straight to DVD coming to a $5 bin near you. But this is a series that we're going to kind of have to be talking about over the next couple of years, whether we like it or not, because... By the looks of the box office this past weekend, it, it was number one. It made $60 million in a weekend that was pretty competitive. There are some good, strong mm-hmm. movies out. They have a lot of good buzz. Logan has great buzz. Get Out, still doing very well. And mm-hmm. uh, The Shack. Mm-hmm. The Shack. Uh, the Shack is doing well, despite uh, it's fine. despite it being, what, 10% on RT or mm-hmm. something. I still haven't seen it, but there's always a an audience for those. But Kong... I honestly thought this would kind of be a flop, and uh, both critically and commercially, because I just didn't think people wanted or cared about another King Kong. But I was wrong, per usual. If you listen to the show, you know I'm always <laughs> wrong. Uh, it was certified fresh and made $60 million and won the weekend. It's a $190 million budget, but looks like it'll internationally especially make that back easily. So... Kong Cinematic Universe is, first of all, um, hate the name Kong Skull Island. I really dislike that. Why isn't it called King Kong Skull Island? Why isn't it just called Kong? Why isn't it just called Skull mm-hmm. Island? I hate the combination of the two, the two names, and uh, that's just a small complaint. But uh, overall, this is about as good as it could have been, in my opinion. This is just a fun kind of ride. Doesn't really take itself too seriously. Doesn't really try to play off the previous King Kong movies too much. It kind of pays homage to them or kind of reworks some of the themes from the original King Kong and some of the iconic scenes that we might know and love. And it's uh, really just trying to build this universe more. It's trying to establish more uh, more stories for other characters and other monsters to kind of cross over into. So the, the main plot of the movie, I guess, is just kind of discover Skull Island and what that entails. And Kong obviously lives there, but there's always an air of mystery to Skull Island, and you can do pretty much anything on Skull Island, you know, cinematically, creatively, and it kind of works because it's so weird. You could have dinosaurs, you can have lizards, apes, uh, 
you know, uh, you can have crazy birds, lizard, I mean, uh, snakes and octopus and amphibians and, and crazy stuff. And the possibilities are really endless. If you're a, a monster movie maker, I'm sure this is your ultimate universe to work in. So having said that, I don't know where I fall as far as which one I liked more of as far as the Peter Jackson one and this, I still have a soft spot for the Peter Jackson one. I know it's not a great movie and it drags on for like three and a half hours or whatever it is. And there's some ridiculous sequences in it, but I, I really do kind of enjoy that movie. Uh, parts of it. I, I really think the skull Island stuff is well done. Some of the, the insect sequence is well done. The, the only scene that's really just kind of what is the brontosaurus stampede scene where it's you're, it's clear that they're just running in front of a green screen and there's brontosauruses mm-hmm. chasing them in the back like that looked just horrible um, composition there and it just just didn't work even in the theater for me back then I was like this is stupid but um, I don't know I have a I have a soft spot for the original King Kong but this is different again doesn't take itself too seriously the characters are kind of throwaway fun caricature type characters and good cast. I like everyone involved in here pretty much for the most part. So that was kind of interesting seeing some of my favorite people be in this universe and kind of see who was going to die. I didn't really know who at first was going to die, but Tom Hiddleston fits well in this as kind of the Kyle Chandler role that was in the, the previous one and the ones before. And Brie Larson fits the Faye uh, role, uh, not really Faye, but the Faye stereotype, and Samuel Jackson's awesome in action movies when he can just be crazy. So can Sean, John American Treasure John C. Riley uh, can just be kind of goofy and crazy, and I think he's pretty well cast as the uh, guy that's been cast away. And John mm-hmm. American Treasure got John Goodman. We have uh, Jason Mitchell and Corey Hawkins from Straight Outta Compton in the movie. And Toby Kebbell, who we've said on the show has the worst filmography I maybe have ever seen. <laughs> Any actor have. I'm not even kidding. And um, so maybe a good positive step for him, even though he doesn't uh, do too well in the movie. I guess it's a spoiler, but not really, because there's like 90 characters in this movie. So, you know, he they're, can not always gonna, they're not always going to make it. You can always fall back on Ben Hur and Warcraft sequels and Fantastic Four. So. Wow, just he just can. banking on those those uh, highly regarded properties. So this is obviously setting up, like I said, a a monster cinematic universe, and this is this kind of the second of the series. The first one being Godzilla 2014, directed by Gareth Edwards, was kind of the first in this series. This obviously plays on that in, in, in numerous ways. Not only in references, but in uh, in kind of the plot elements as well. And I'm sure we'll talk about the post credit sequence later. But I gotta say, I liked Godzilla a lot more the first time. I li- actually really liked Godzilla the first time. I liked yeah. Kong Skull Island, but I, I wasn't like uh, super impressed or blown away. It was just kind of uh, what I expected. Maybe had a few more fun sequences, and there was some creepy stuff in here too I'll talk about. but. Uh, I think it's a little better than I expected, to be honest, because I thought this would be like Warcraft level, you know, like animation and plotting and everything. It's just kind of a throwaway 
wait, maybe people like King Kong, so they'll go see it, and we'll just make money on the thing, kind of like Warcraft was. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised that there are some funner action sequences than I had anticipated. And again, the cast is pretty strong because I like them, but I have some issues with it that I'll talk about. But overall, I guess pretty mildly impressed with with this this movie. Uh, Brian? Yeah, it's a solid action, stupid popcorn blockbuster movie, right? And that's and that's fine. It I I commend uh, Jordan Vote Roberts and and everybody who's involved for pretty much knowing exactly what they're making and uh, and doing it to a I don't know to the best degree that it could possibly be done, but to a pretty high level of uh, of competency. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fun it's it's a fun movie um i don't know that i necessarily needed a another king kong movie in my life uh i i'm kind of with you ken i i think i've always thought peter jackson's version was pretty solid and maybe it's i think it's because it's 19 hours long that it doesn't get uh much credit because i, I i'm not sure i've watched it since the theater maybe one time um and you know i i rewatch movies quite a bit so that's a little bit of an outlier, but I've always thought it was a it was a pretty impressive feat. So, and I just I don't know I don't know that I need to revisit the world. So, if you're gonna do it, I think it was cool to pitch it this way uh, to set it up on an on its own in terms, modern like times on, on an in island. modern times. Yeah, so. yeah, and, and, you know that was cool. Um, I didn't know that the movie was based in the '70s until yeah, it actually started. Which yeah, was, same. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice little little surprise. Um, yeah. So like I, I look, I enjoyed the movie a lot. There's definitely, I, in some ways, I kind of wish that it would have taken itself a little more seriously because I think you're right. It, it certainly doesn't do that, but maybe <laughs> could have used another pass at the script and just kind of some of the pacing elements and stuff like that. I just, I, I don't feel like we're, I feel like we're at a place in our in our film society or in our film culture at this point where we can get both. We can get a pretty stinking good movie that is also very fun and outrageous and doesn't take itself overly serious. And, and that, you know, fast movies show that very well. Um, I think most of the, the Marvel movies do that. Star Wars, even to a degree does that. Um, so like I would have liked for this to have been a little tighter on the scripting and the dialogue instead of, verging into cringy territories like like it does it was cringy from but, the very beginning like the dialogue oh was. totally was like, 100%. Oh, no the dialogue like, is yeah. the dialogue is like 80 percent exposition in the first hour yeah. and and mcguffany stuff and you know it's i guess i expect that from this kind of movie in 2009 but in 2017 i guess i just think we should be a little more advanced and maybe if you'd take it just a bit more seriously i don't know if that could get tricky too and you get lost in translation anyway regardless i had a lot of fun with the movie i enjoyed it uh, i certainly wasn't watching the watch to see how quickly i could get out of the theater as compared to godzilla give me godzilla 10 times over i think godzilla is so much better than this as a movie and i think more enjoyable personally uh but you know hiddleston was fun brie larson was very good she's She's racking up quite the uh, quite a run here that uh, and go headed into a Marvel movie and whatnot. So that was it's always fun to see John Goodman. I thought John C. Riley was maybe the best part of the movie that yeah, wasn't it, uh, King Kong himself. I loved that. Um, I enjoyed the the Straight Outta Compton reunion. It was pretty cool. Samuel Jackson. I can kind of 
take or leave at this point. Like he's just doing the same bit. And I know people yeah. really love that bit. And I guess I'm in the minority at this point. It's but the snakes I, on the plane character. Yeah, it's hundred percent. And when he literally says, hold on to your butts about 15 minutes in the movie, I'm like, at this point, you're just calling back to your own outrageous characters in other movies. So I don't know. I, I like Samuel L. Jackson. I know that he's very popular and this is an unpopular opinion, but I just, I don't, I don't need Samuel L. Jackson in a movie doing this really ever again at this point. Uh, but that's, that's me and I'm sure I'll get angry emails and tweets about that. So anyway, overall I, I enjoyed it. It's not going to rewrite the book on how you make a, an action movie or a blockbuster movie or a monster movie or anything of the sort, but it, ties in pretty well with Godzilla and it'll you know whatever they do with this series and this franchise moving forward will be fun and uh and I'll go see them even if they lean more towards this than perhaps Godzilla so that's what I think Richard how about you man yeah I mean I'm a little bit with you it's it's a movie I I have to say I enjoyed in there but it's it's a hard movie these are the hardest ones for me to critique because there's just not a whole lot of substance or risks really taken so it's hard to Mm -hmm. be really positive or overtly negative it's the kind of classic you know c to b movie which is which is fine um there's some some real thrills in here it was so i i i uh, i've gotten old i just can't handle how loud things are it was so loud um Mm -hmm. and uh that that made me enjoy it 10 percent less but that is a richard issue not not a kong skull island issue uh, John C. Riley, I thought was was really great in this, and really just brought a weird fastball for no reason, which was uh, funny. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm with you on Samuel. I mean, I love Samuel L. Jackson, but I mean, how many times are you going to play this same kind of tropey, you know, uh, overtly cocky character? I mean, it gets it gets old. Uh, it, it, but uh, but in terms of the look, in terms of the universe, so I'm confu- so I you'll have so there's Godzilla was 2014, and there's this, and then mm-hmm. there's another Godzilla right in 2019, and then a Godzilla versus Kong in 2020. That's what I'm looking at. I wonder what that second Godzilla movie will be. Guess the second one is called Godzilla King of the Monsters, and I'm sure that's just a another Godzilla maybe kind of crosses over a little bit more into King Kong territory or establishes more of a crossover and then and yeah in 2020 we'll get the kong versus godzilla movie yeah and i'm sure we'll have some offshoot movies they introduced other characters later in the or other monsters then, later in the movie that they're yep. gonna i'm sure bring into the picture at some point I'm sure but. there'll be a mothra type thing and then i think 2022 mm-hmm. from some of the stuff i've seen but i didn't see on imdb but i think it's uh kong versus godzilla versus mcgruber right <laughs> yeah we can only hope protect protect your throats yeah. protect your throats you're gonna want to take the whole pack um <laughs> so yeah it was it's a it, you, you kind of hit it brian when you said 2009 it's a movie that's great but kind of felt dated in a way uh mm-hmm. it's almost like a 90s movie it reminded me a lot of like the lost world um totally yeah uh yeah. but uh-huh. and that's not an awful movie but it it's definitely in 2017 was a little bit like, Oh man, did they write this script in the late nineties? Uh, Mm -hmm. but, but it, it worked when it needed to. And it was, it was a fun theme park of a movie and, and those things have their place. I, I, I think it'll, Ken, I think you're right. It definitely has been successful and that's awesome, but I don't think it will hold audience like Logan or something. I think it'll, everyone that was going to see it, will rush out to see it. And then I think it'll be at, you know, 15 to 20 million next week pretty quickly. I think so too. 
There is, uh, I, I liked how the movie started with the plane crashing and the U.S. and mm-hmm. the Japanese guy kind of fighting on the island. I thought that was a cool moment where they kind of throw back to the original King Kong time period and that they, they kind of set this up as a Bermuda Triangle type place where planes have crashed, but nobody really knows why. Not that it's really an undiscovered island. Like, they know it's there. They just know it's really dangerous, so they don't ever go there. I liked that. Um, I think the exposition of John Goodman pitching the actual trip is really cringy, where he's, like, walking into the place saying, if we don't get approved for this, we're not going to be able to go on our expedition. And if we can't do that, then we won't get our money, you know? It's just, oh, it's bad. So I didn't like that. Um, But I liked the idea of them uh, pitching this as, like, a government agency just to go kind of just explore it instead of pitching a... We're going to go shoot a movie on the island, like the old King Kong, where they just, mm-hmm. they're using it as an exotic location. Because back in those times, in the 30s and 40s, the, uh, there, there weren't these elaborate sets. You couldn't do CGI. You really did have to go somewhere to shoot there. If you wanted an exotic look, you had to go to an exotic place. So uh, I like Jack Black, and the original one does a great job of kind of being that fearless filmmaker who really doesn't care if anyone dies as long as he gets his movie you know i like that aspect mm-hmm. of it but i think this is a cool way to twist it twist it on its head to where it's more of just a exploratory expedition 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 instead of um instead of a movie shoot so that's fine yeah. yeah um and this movie wants to be apocalypse now i mean did you see how many uh, ref- the, i felt so many cues. homages to it the yeah. cues the sun being shown every 20 seconds the helicopters the weaponry and everything the kind of just the way the battles are shot is very uh very coppola-esque and the apocalypse now stuff that's fine um tom hiddleston when they introduce him and he just murders somebody in the pool hall i was like what how is that <laughs> And they're just like, we want him. You know, they know nothing about... Or I guess they went there to go kind of find him. But uh, I just thought it was weird how he just murders somebody in the pool hall and just kind of walks away and goes on this expedition. But uh, yeah, that's funny. Well, that's kind of... I mean, it's encouraged, really, at that point in life, in that area of the world. You know, if you're in a pool hall in Bangkok, just you can kill anybody you want during 1973. It's fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. I don't understand the need to have a hurricane always around the island. Can't this just be an <laughs> island that's really scary and that we don't want to go to? Like, does it have to be something that's keeping us from going there? You know what I mean? I thought that was just an excuse to have, like, a scene where the helicopters are flying through the storm, you know? Like, there's no yeah, reason other than that. Sure. I mean, it's a MacGuffin, but it does play to the storyline of, like, why if if there's nothing there to prevent us from just flying over and seeing a giant gorilla walking around, then why do we need to do an exposition expedition like this in the first place? You know, so I, I gotcha. mean, it's super X. Ex- I mean, yes, it's MacGuffin-y, but I, it serves its purpose, I think. So they have they fly through the storm and somehow most of them make it. And then we have the reveal of Kong. And uh, he kind of stands up in front of the sun. I think this is a really cool shot. It's going to get on the movie poster, but it's a cool reveal of, of Kong. And one of my biggest complaints with the movie, Kong's way too big guys, just way too big. Yeah. Doesn't work. Agreed. I agree that I know why they did that because they, when it comes to the time where he has to fight Godzilla, you don't want him to be so 
far apart that Godzilla is just too big and Kong's just too small. And it's not a believable fight, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but, you know, by itself, it uh, doesn't work. And he doesn't look like a gorilla. He looks like Bigfoot or something. He's built like a guy instead of a, an ape. And I had a problem with that, too, just the whole build of, of Kong. I don't know sure. why. Um, it's, it's 2017 right now. I don't know why I, I can't, I can't, fi- actually, I can figure it out. It's money, but this is a hundred million, $190 million movie. Uh, why does Kong look so much worse 12 years later than he did in 2005? <laughs> I mean, Peter Jackson's yeah. ape is, is way, way more believable, better, more emotive, better fight. I mean, almost, in almost every sense of the word, it's just a better Kong. And yeah, I just didn't like Kong in this movie. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's not good if I didn't like Kong. But um, I think they could have done some improvements on Kong. And again, he's so big, but I feel like he's different sizes at different times. They never really get the scale down. Uh, so I mean, that's just very weird. I'm sure they worked a lot on that. But that's one thing I thought Godzilla nailed was the scale of Godzilla was consistent yeah. and big and totally. scary. And uh, larger than life, you know, it's like unavoidable. Kong was just, I, I just don't understand. He was like a 200 feet tall or something. Why couldn't he just walk off the island and go walk through the ocean and go some? You know what I mean? Uh, it just seemed too big for even even this movie. But that's that's fine. I, I, I don't know why the hair didn't look right for some reason. It just, it looked cheap. The Kong looked cheap, and I didn't like that. But I like the scene where they kind of get to the island, and the helicopters just got out of the storm, and they're flying to the island, and then Kong's like swatting all the helicopters out of the sky. I thought that was a cool sequence. Yeah, and um, yeah. no, I enjoyed him in action. Yeah, like in movement, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, all the fighting, all the stuff that's just kind of Kong by himself doing, you know, fighting either other animals or a gun or something is really great. Um, I think it works well, but. Uh, I like the chopper swatting stuff, but how does how does John Goodman survive falling out of a helicopter, you know, being swatted out of the sky? And he's like, has, yeah. doesn't have one scuff on him. Like, they just get to the island, and he's just there, full, you know, and Corey Hawkins, uh, too, as well. They just, it, not only did they survive, but they had not a scrape to, uh, to show for it, but... That was a little, that yeah. kind of stretched my believability. It's like, okay, I can understand a few of the, like they show one of the, the choppers crashing, he kind of gets hung up in a tree or something, and they have to unstrap themselves and get out, but I don't buy that many people making it through. Not only a storm, but a giant ape swatting you out of the sky in a helicopter. I, I would think there'd be more casualties than that, so that was, uh, that was crazy. Uh, speaking of John Goodman, good little scene where he's, kind of says monsters are real like where he kind of realizes that oh my gosh this is a real place you know you think like it's kind of his life's work to prove this you know and i think he was going searching for not king kong but other monsters i think he was probably searching for godzilla but just kind of ran across king kong which is a, a cool element because none of them really expected kong when they got there you know and he just kind of comes yeah. out of nowhere and uh, I think that's cool, too. And there are some different creatures in this. The The big old water bison buffalo was, didn't do much, but it was big and exotic mm-hmm. looking. I think that looked pretty good uh, CGI-wise. But 
the creepiest scene for me, and I think this was this was towards the right when they get on the island. So this is still less than halfway through the movie. Um, the giant spider was horribly creepy, you know, yeah. and they're just looking oh, up and yeah. it's a giant daddy long legs basically above them. And it's legs are, you know, coming at them and, and, uh, piercing them. They're in a bamboo forest too, by the way. So you can't really tell what's a bamboo and what's a leg of the spider. So that was creepy too, but man, that was terrifying. That was by mm-hmm. far the most terrifying part of it. And it, just like in King Kong, the original, the, kind of bug sequence where they fall into the crevasse and all the, the giant beetles are everywhere and everything. That's creepy, but this takes it to a whole new level because mm-hmm. I hate spiders and I hate giant Same. things and a giant spider is like my, <laughs> that's my nightmare. Yeah. That, that'll keep and me And it was night. in a forest, so Richard's Yeah, that's too, my so woods. That's, 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 that's me in the yeah. woods is the giant spider. <laughs> but man, wow. What are, what are y'all's thoughts on um, kind of the... Other monsters they fight, of course, we haven't called, talked about the skull crawlers yet, but they're kind of the main villain mm. of the movie. And uh, what what kind of stuck out to you as far as the uh, kind of setup on the island and what they kind of discover? Brian? Yeah, I like I like the, char- the character design, the creature design uh, on all the stuff. And I, I think you're right. I think maybe the most interesting part of the movie to me is they arrive on Skull Island and it's kind of a pandora's box of what you're gonna find and so you know that can lend itself to further sequels and weird stuff that is discovered on the island and stuff like that um but uh you know the the spider was super creepy i'm with you kid that spiders are the worst and uh they terrify me and so uh, a giant spider is is not something that i ever want to encounter the buffalo the little flying pterodactyl bird things were you know, kind of fan servicey, but but they were fun. Uh, I I enjoyed that. And I to to your point on Kong, the scale is way off. I didn't. I liked the design of his look and whatnot. I wish he was not that monstrous, um, but I enjoyed. And I think it it does set it up for a a better battle between him and Godzilla somewhere down the line. So I get what they're doing, but it does kind of take Godzilla and you know, crank him full of steroids and escalate the situation a bit. But I, I enjoyed the, I also would like it to be titled either Skull Island or Kong or King Kong or something not Kong Skull Island. I think it's kind of a cheat. Um, that's a minor complaint, but uh, I enjoyed the the actual island aspect of everything, of the, the unknown and what could be on this, uh, on this undiscovered a uh, little little slice of of the ocean. Uh, so that's that's me, Richard. So, do you have any? No, any right there on with that? you. I, the island is the best part of this, in that it's very theme parky in a good way. Like you just you really can't wait to see what's around each kind of corner and 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 the can't you said earlier kind of the limitless limitless. Wow, third time here we go. Limitlessness almost. Okay, that'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, of it and the 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 fact that you can kind of throw anything out of Skull Island makes it a real thrill because you don't you you know anything can come uh that to me that was like the biggest perk on this one was skull island and not like you know new york hanging off the empire state building kind of stuff like this yes. this was int- more interesting yeah it really did have that kind of mysteriousness of you you never know what it's going to be i was just waiting for a t-rex this movie you know or a stegosaurus or something to show up Kind of like uh, Peter Jackson took the liberty to have the dinosaur on uh, mm-hmm. in his on his Skull Island, 
they aren't really dinosaurs here, but the skull crawlers are weird kind of dinosaur hybrid creatures that were very yeah. two-legged and weird and like a half snake, half lizard thing. That was crazy. But uh, they had the Triceratops skull here, so that's kind of a callback to the original King Kong, in which King Kong, I believe, fights a Triceratops on the Skull Island, or at least there's a Triceratops on the original Skull Island. So that was a cool little Easter egg, too. Um, I like the natives in here, how they kind of flip yeah. the natives on their head, too. In the original and in the, the, the previous ones, the natives have always been an mm-hmm. enemy. And uh, in, in the last one, that's kind of how they discover Kong, was they get on the island and then they see the natives, and the natives are sacrificing food or somebody to Kong, and that's how they discover, and that's the reveal of Kong, which I think is very effective in Peter Jackson with the giant door and everything. I think that works very well. And uh, in this one, they encounter, they've already met Kong. They meet Kong immediately, which I think is a good choice. Uh, But then they meet the natives, and um, then the natives are fine. And then uh, John C. Riley comes out, and he's like, whoa, 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 guys, everything's fine. I thought that was cool, because you're waiting for them to attack or for Kong to come or something to happen. And then John C. Riley comes out and like, oh, these guys aren't evil anymore at all, and they're not an enemy at all in this movie. So I, I, uh, I, I liked how they flipped that on its head. What did you guys think about about the natives part of it? Yeah. I, what about the paint? Cool paint? I thought that was a really, yeah, I thought the whole situation, the setup was really strong on that and uh, gave it a little more, it took it a different direction that I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to be upset, I guess, if they went the traditional route, but it was cool to just do something a little bit different and have a, a slightly different voice. And again, John C. Re- American Treasure John C. Riley is fantastic. He's always fantastic, even when the movie sucks, which this doesn't, but. Like Chicago. He, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. Gosh, I hate Chicago, but uh, he he brings so much life to every role that he takes, and it's not always the same kind of role or the same kind of character and stuff. Like, but he's he's so good in this, and it's I will say for there are some issues with direction and and the writing and whatnot, but they pick the perfect moment to uh, to give you John C. Riley. It's not just levity or attention break or anything like that, but like just introducing something of of interest into the movie that is not the giant gorilla and the creepy island because the rest of these characters really aren't very interesting they're all kind of playing very traditional character totally. tropes stereotypes and you drop yeah. john c Riley in and he's doing something electric i don't know that it's original but it's fun and it's interesting and i think that helped the movie quite a bit and really the only emotion in the movie comes from him too in not only he's right. the he's yeah. the down soldier from World War II, he's kind of been living on the mm-hmm, island mm-hmm. and surviving on the yeah. island, and he, like, got married right before he... It's just something that doesn't even need to be in the movie. The fact that he yeah. got married right before he went off to service and he wants to see his wife again and all that. Uh, again, that's the only real emotion we get in the film, and John C. Riley nails it. I mean, there's nothing he can't do. Um, he's such a weird character He, he in this movie where you can tell he's been out of society for a while, doesn't really know how to act around people or anything. He's just kind of excited to see people. Um, yeah. Did you notice the good for your health Easter egg on his jacket, which is a reference to his Steve Brule character from Tim and Eric. Uh, I thought that was funny oh, too. I didn't catch that. That's because funny. his catchphrase yeah. is for your health. And That's really uh, funny. it's I didn't good catch for that your either. health on, a, on the back. I think it's <laughs> in the trailer as in the back of his jacket. So that was cool. Yeah. That reveal, 
I enjoyed that and that kind of element. And he kind of is their instructor, you know, he kind of tells them uh, about the island and, and uh, what to expect and how to f- defeat uh, things and all that. So he's kind of the uh, savant of the island, the Morpheus of the island. That was cool. Um, So mm-hmm. we move to another creature, which is an octopus, we think, or some oh, yeah. kind of tentacled creature. And uh, I guess Toby Kebbell's character comes across him. Or he's a uh, bathing in the middle of the middle of the the I guess creek not creek uh, pond or lake mm-hmm. just walk straight into the middle to bathe. Why would you not stay on the land and just <laughs> scoop water? I don't understand. You're just asking to get eaten at that point. But again, it's a movie. And Kong comes back and is attacked by an octopus. And I thought that was a really really cool sequence. Um, Maybe the CGI at its best in this movie was during that when he's kind of fighting the octopus and then like eats the octopus and the tentacles are all wrapping around him and he's like slurping him up and everything. I thought that was really effective and kind of I feel like you're watching planet uh, planet Earth or something, you know, watching that sequence like he's going to stalk his prey. And there he goes. He's going to bite it. You know, it's like it, it's like watching nature it, and not just actors or CGI animals fighting. So I thought that was cool. Um, the skull crawlers. What did you think of of them? Were they creepy enough to you? I thought the uh, the fact that they had two legs was really creepy to me. If they had been four legged. Yeah. I might it might not have worked as much, but the fact that they had two legs and had that giant snake tail to get around that was mm-hmm. uh, that was very effective. Yeah, it was a cool design. Uh, and they they impose or they pose a uh, the big one at least as a worthy adversary for uh, for Kong, which is fun. It was it was enjoyable to watch them just beat the crap out of each other. Yep, they uh I think it's kind of a a combination of all the threats of Skull Island, right? Snakes, dinosaurs, lizards, and just stuff that you've never seen before. They kind of combine a lot of different elements of creature design into one thing and it works. So, we go to this elephant graveyard scene, remember that, where they go to the mm-hmm. scene of Kong's parents who are dead? which is another emotion yeah. that you don't understand or don't really expect in the movie is Kong's parents were dead. And that's why Kong wants to kill the skull crawlers or the big skull crawler. And that's why he's kind of protecting the Island and mm-hmm. uh, everything else is because he doesn't want anything else to die that he has control over. And he wants to be the King Kong. So that works. Um works really well when they kind of zoom in on Kong and he's like, shedding a tear and everything when he sees, I guess it's Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston kind of embracing. And you Mm -hmm. can tell it like it reminds him of, uh, it reminds him of his parents, you know, or something like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. how do we feel like Brie Larson nailed the Andaro character, the previous, uh, you know, woman in blonde in the white dress, uh, trope of, King Kong. I actually was surprised because there's a moment in this when she kind of first encounters Kong that you think Kong's going to take her away, right? Kong's staring at yeah. her and looking at her and you're like, "Oh, here it is. You're going to Kong's going to take her away and then the, all the crew's going to go have to go find her," right? Like that's what you expect. But the fact that he just looks at her and then walks away is just kind of a slap in the face to anyone who thought this was going to be a by the books remake of King Kong. You know, I kept expecting things to happen 
and mm-hmm. homages to happen, and they didn't. And again, this flips it on its head a little bit, kind of makes it its own. That uh, that works. Um, the big, big skull crawler is crazy. <laughs> again, it's just a big yeah. version of the other skull crawlers, but it does, like you said, matches up well with Kong. And no surprise here how Kong defeats the skull crawler is awesome. How it just rips his guts from inside out by mm-hmm. the tongue or whatever it is. That was. There yeah. was a big sigh of relief in the theater when, uh, when that happened, and that was really cool. And there's a moment there in that fight, in the kind of kind of climactic fight sequence between Kong and the big skull crawler, is Kong and Kong gets knocked down and then is like chained, stuck in chains. So that's kind of a reference to Kong being captured for, um, for our entertainment in the original King Kong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I was waiting right. for that here for them to try to capture Kong and take him back. I think that's what I like most about Peter Jackson's version because right when you think the movie's going to end, they they take Kong back to uh you know, they they capture Kong and take there's him back a, to New York and there's this whole kind of second four more movie. hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. That's exactly <laughs> what Spielberg did on yeah. Richard Dimension's The Lost World. Like, okay, the movie's pretty much over, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to put the T-Rex on the boat and have it run around San Francisco for 10 minutes, you know? That's right. like Steven Spielberg's just having fun there, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to have something like that here. They didn't. And again, just just flipping the stereotype of King Kong on its head a little bit and twisting it around. Uh, I thought there would be more of an homage to the iconic King Kong sequence of running up the Empire State Building and swatting the planes and that whole thing. I thought they were going to do, in the climax of this movie, do their own kind of version of that. I thought it would be on the top of a hill or a mountain of some kind or a monument on the island or something. I thought they were going to play a little more to that, but really the only reference we get to that is the helicopter swatting sequence. So when they get to the island and then the kind of uh, the old soldiers in the first, very first scene that mm-hmm. uh, crash on the island. So again, I thought this would be more of a buy the books remake. It wasn't. And uh, that's yeah. that's kind of refreshing. It, it really just does do their own take on Kong, mm-hmm. or what would what would it be like if Kong was in this decade, or at least in this half decade? Uh, so that right. that's yeah. refreshing. They deserve a lot of credit for doing different stuff with the storyline. It's it's that kind of makes it a little more frustrating than that the dialogue is so just yeah. expositiony and, and, and kind I, of it worries kind me because it's the same writers for the next two also, and mm-hmm. I think they have a great yeah. eye for story, but. Uh, I wish yeah, they'd bring in yeah. someone to punch up, <laughs> sorkinize right. that thing a bit. No, I don't have to be like that, yeah. but just not. Uh, just have a pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your Kong, Peter Jackson's Kong is three hours four minutes. Gareth Edwards' yeah, Godzilla the, is two that's hours the first four act, minutes. Right? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> um, that's the only movie other than ones I've gone back and watched in theaters, like Gone with the Wind and stuff, that I remember there being an intermission in the movie where I had where <laughs> everyone left the theater for 10 15 minutes and came back and i think the intermission was actually when they get to the island so they weren't even on the island whenever Gosh. we whenever we went to intermission in the original uh the 2005 king kong so i remember thinking like man this is a that's what i why i said epic because i just maybe this is a big deal this is a big movie you yeah. know i've never never experienced something like that in the theater so that was cool so we will see how this kind of goes i'm actually really intrigued by this cinematic universe if it can stick to this just being popcorn fun and not taking itself too seriously but 
still mixing in some stuff. I think this could be a really fun series sure. to kind of, you know, not dread every year. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they could cross it over with Pacific Rim at some point because these are legendary pictures and uh, legendary does the Pacific Rim movies too, as well as we all know. So maybe after the Godzilla versus Kong, we will get uh, Godzilla versus Kong versus Jaegers, which is what we all want. And that would be really cool. <laughs> so again, post post credit sequence really just sets up the, uh, the next stuff. All the monsters are about to be revealed. They have, King Ghidorah, Mothra, yep. and of course uh, Godzilla is teased. So they say we'll be back in the movie as I guess a reference to not only the the Terminator, but uh, the, the fact that we'll be back <laughs> on Skull Island. So we'll, we'll we'll look forward to returning to Skull Island at some point and seeing what other stuff that uh, has in store. Maybe they kidnap Kong in another movie. I could see that happening. Like they go back to the island to kidnap Kong and then Kong gets loose and that's what uh and then Godzilla comes out to kind of protect the city or whatever, or protect the world like uh we figure out he does. He's the he's our protector, that's why they let him go. Um man, mm-hmm. Godzilla was was fun, man. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. I'm just thinking about yeah. it. Really, really enjoyed how that movie ended where Godzilla just goes into the sea and uh it's just like a still shot on the water as he goes under, you know, and it ends like that. Oh, mm-hmm. I just love that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. loved it. Love that. Um, movie. Yeah. Okay. So that's really all I got on this fun, nostalgic kind of movie, but uh, also makes its or paves its own path, you know, in a way and uh, kind of resets Kong if that even needed to be done. But um, it's the big leaf of faith they took. It paid off. Uh, I wouldn't have thought this would have worked critically commercially, but it did. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll admit that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what, uh, what, what the next Kong movie holds. I don't know if they'll do another sequel to this before the Godzilla versus Kong. I'm sure they'll try to. I don't know if the uh, time will allot at this point, but we shall see where this goes. So, uh, we'll hit some grades here. I will give Kong Skull Island a B plus. Right. Yeah, I'm it kind of torn between B plus and B. I think I'm just I think I'm gonna go straight B. Just straight across the line B. So I mean I enjoyed it. I'd you know, I'd see it again. I'm not uh dreading anything about it, but I didn't I, I'm not in love with it like I was maybe with Godzilla and, and even I you know, I'm not the biggest Pacific Rim fan in the world, but I, I prefer that to this as well. So uh straight B for me. Richard, how about you? I'm gonna go with a B minus. I don't know if I've given too many B minuses, but yeah, a solid B minus. I like that. All right. So let us know your thoughts, listener, on God- Godzilla, on King Kong, on this entire universe, where you think it's going to go, whether you're excited or dreading it. And uh, we will continue the conversation off the air. So uh, let's hit a quick weekly recommend, guys. Weekly recommends. Okay, I'm going to recommend a TV show that is back, and it's not The Americans. I recommended that last week, and uh, I can say it's our standing it's back. recommendation. For yeah, that should just be a default every week. <laughs> yeah. uh, watch The Americans, but uh, it's did back. Did you guys see episode good. one yet? Yeah, I did. No, you did, Kent. Back. Yeah. I saw on Snapchat. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. Yeah. Kent Garrison on Snapchat, by the way, if you want to follow along with yeah. my shenanigans. Tough. They're very Super little. Rough. 
Very I'm mad at you, by the way, about speaking of Snapchat, because you you snapped yesterday the Eatsies that's like a block from my house. I parked I at your house. I told you that. Oh, you did? Yeah. I didn't even know you did. Oh, I, parked, well, I parked there. Well, and, like, uh, I parked there and Ubered over to uh, smart. to the concert and St. Patty's Day festivities, which is very convenient. Ran but, into your apartment to leave an upper decker just real fast. I did. I called oh, you, you to Thanks, let you know Deborah. I gave you an upper decker and oh, Sarah would have man. to discover that. This morning, so I'm sure that she means number two. The fact that Sarah didn't say anything just kind of creeps me out because <laughs> stuff happens often in your house, and I don't want to know. <laughs> but I'm going to recommend. I thought it was Richard up to his shenanigans again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to clean that again, right? Yeah, it's, it's the bit. Wait, this isn't mine. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. All right, sure. No, I'm going to recommend a TV show that's back on Netflix. It's uh, Love, the Judd Apatow oh, yeah, series. Yeah. Uh, it's back for season two, and I think season three is already underway, and it's coming out in 2018. But uh, I really like this show. It's a, it's kind of a relationship type of a show, funny, Judd Apatow style, kind of a knocked up style television show about like young people trying to date each other and make friends and things like that. But it's, of course, in the same... Um, Vein what, of what you expect from Apatow, maybe a little less in-your-face raunch than some of his stuff, but still raunchy. So I wouldn't. It's not uh, PG-13 by any means, but I think it's uh, I think it's funny and, it, and it's really cringy. It's kind of the Office or Parks and Rec kind of cringe humor sometimes, but um, it's awkward and funny and really kind of sweet in a, in a way. Um, so good one that I'll recommend. I've recommended it to a couple of friends who looking for something to watch. It's a really fun kind of watch an episode a day or just kind of have it on in the background while you're doing something yeah. else kind of a show. And uh, it's worth it. I think Paul Rust is is really strong as the lead actor in that. And uh, I would see I would see stuff from him. And uh, Jillian Jacobs is great too. And I will see her in anything as well. So um, Love is on Netflix, season two. Season one's on there. If you want to get caught up, feel free and enjoy yourself so that's my recommend what about uh, you brian yeah i'm gonna recommend a tv show as well it's new it's on fx it's called legion uh it is based in the x-men universe sort of adjacent like it's occurring at the same time but there aren't any x-men in it and it's much more of a i don't even know like kind of a psychological thriller uh the lead character has mutant powers, but he just thinks that he's crazy. And so uh, that he's in various psychiatric facilities and there's perpetually a team of bad guys that are trying to get a hold of him to use his mutant abilities that, again, he doesn't quite know he has. It's really good and extremely creepy. Like, that's, you know, I'm pretty easy to, to jump scare and uh, and make have bad dreams. And there's a like a character that keeps popping up that, terrifies me every time and i have to watch like four episodes of parks and recreation to get it out of my mind but uh it's really it's really well done and uh and just kind of i think unique to anything else that's on tv right now so i think it's five episodes in i'm at least one episode back but it is it's something else and it's really uh really interesting to see what they're going to do with it and again it's fx so you know I love FX shows not just because they make quality TV, which they almost always do, but because 95% of the time a show is going to get three seasons to figure itself out and do what it needs to do. So this is something that I don't think it works. It definitely doesn't work on network television and I think even on HBO or something like that. 
you could see how it could get um could get canned early if it doesn't get great ratings and so i think you're going to get an opportunity to see something uh pretty special uh with it being at fx so so check that out again it's called legion and uh and let us know what you think about that if if you have been watching up to this point all right cool uh richard yeah i'm going to recommend a uh book which i uh sorry my dog just freaked out on me. I apologize. Um, <laughs> Olive just went, uh, Olive wanted to join the podcast, but I, I think I <laughs> muted her. I muted her in time. No, I'm going to recommend a book, which I haven't done uh, in a while, um, which just came out. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, big novel of the year. Uh, first time uh, novel, first novel from a, a writer named George Saunders, who's written a ton of short story collections and who's really great. And it's called Lincoln and the Bardo. And, uh, it's kind of a creepy, funny ghost story kind of thing with Abraham Lincoln going on. Uh, but it's a really, uh, really interesting book. And on Audible, I'm actually reading it the old fashioned way, but I've heard that on Audible, it's like, it's got a cast of like 30 people and all of them are A-listers. So if wow. you're looking for something kind of interesting to read there, I check out, uh, George Saunders, Lincoln, and the Bardo. Okay, cool. I will, I'll do that. I'm always looking for something interesting to read. You know me. Okay. Where can we find you online, Richard? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all that good stuff, at Richard Barden. Brian, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter, bgill 12 and my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Kent, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook and KentGarrison.com at Kent Garrison on all those accounts. Appreciate it. And uh, you can find us on the iTunes. Hit subscribe. Leave us five stars. Tell a friend. Enjoy yourself. Listen to some past episodes. We got a bunch of throwbacks. Got a throwback coming later this week. So, uh, until then, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads